Oh, hi. I'm Sarah. Oh, hi. I'm me. And we are Dead, Dead My Dearest. Whoa. I don't know. I went weird with it. You're in a weird mood I'm today. I'm in a weird mood today. I'm okay with that. I heard from um, many people yeah. that they were <laughs> they were mad uh, that we ended where we ended for the last episode. <laughs> I might have done that on purpose. I liked it. It was good. Making it exciting. I know, I know. But guys, now you can be excited for this episode. Uh, We're going to get into the suspects of the Valeska Axe murder. I'm excited. Yep. Uh, Last time we chatted, we talked about the deaths of the the Moore family. I just groaned the whole last episode. That was my contribution to the podcast. Yeah. Just me going, I hate it. Eight bodies. That's a lot. And a lot then of kids. six too, kids. Too, too many. That's six too many children. I agree. That yeah. guy's an asshole. Yeah, he was a terrible. <laughs> he shouldn't person. be. Are you going to talk he is. about? Because last time we didn't talk, yeah. we mentioned yeah the infamous attic. We did mention the attic, yes, but we didn't talk about it at length. No, we're going to talk, talk about, about it today in this episode. Yeah, <sighs> and we're also going to start with. The suspects, of course. Yeah. There are numerous ones, and I hinted at a few. There's like a senator and a mm-hmm. reverend. So let's do it. Let's yeah. dive and we'll right just, in. Because, okay. you know, all the suspects were male, and the yeah. the details of the crime, statistically, I said that word right. Oh, you did. I did. I, I can never That's say fabulous. that right. Thank you. Um, points to it being a male murderer. So we're going to use he, though we don't know for sure. Correct. Correct. We were careful with pronouns. So don't add us, God. Don't <laughs> add us. We're aware. We're being conscientious. We're trying. We're trying. Yeah. But it's probably he. It's so. probably a dude. Yep. There you go. So. So. Diving in. Taking it off. Boom. The suspects. Okay. Of the Valeska Axe murder. We're starting with someone we mentioned last time at length. Is this the guy we had to remember? It is. The Bell Jim. Priest. Yes, the priest going back to Belgium. You good, you good girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually been a week since we recorded, yeah. so you Well, remembered. he was actually English and he was a preacher. I yes. guess there's some slight difference. He, I know little about it. Yes, he was an Englishman, came over to America. He lived in Belgium. And lived in Belgium, okay. yes. So this is the priest, That's Reverend Kelly. Yeah. Okay. So Reverend Kelly was present at the um, Sunday school sort of celebration shindig shindig, and he did get to meet the moore family okay he was supposed to live with uh the priest who was the main um minister at the church okay he was supposed to like live with him like for the night and then go back in the morning so because kelly was visiting and leaving he became a person of interest because it was very interesting that he was only there for a short period of time and this murder was committed. Because, you know, we have a lot of people in town who are townies. They've been there forever. And the Moors themselves had no true enemies. There is one we'll kind of get into. But Mr. Moore was an upstanding man. He was well-liked by the community. And the hardware store is pretty bustling, yeah. especially because I mean, well, it sold you know, John Deere. Even just being an upstanding member of the community and having, like, some level of financial security could make you an enemy. True. And he did. He absolutely did. But... We're starting with the priest because um, because he was apparently boarding the train out of Valeska. This happened at 5.19 a.m. But when he was talking to the other passengers, he started mentioning 
Hey, did you hear about the horror that just happened in Valeska? Correct, because the bodies weren't discovered by anyone. Like nine? Eight. Eight. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So Mary didn't know. We talked about the neighbor last time, Mary. Yeah. And she didn't even realize the bodies were there until about like, she got up at like five, six-ish. Noticed the livestock. Yeah. And she then checked in a couple times. Checked in a couple times, but really... feed the horses and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And let the chickens out because they were mad. Yeah. And of course, Ross, you know, um, the other more family member, just didn't get into the house until like 8 a.m. Right. right. So, uh, seven, 7 or 8. So, this timeline doesn't add up for Reverend Kelly. Like, how would he know, right? Um, so, he also mentioned... That there were eight corpses. So he also knew the correct amount of bodies that were discovered at the crime scene. So that's another like little detail here. Um, now, and, who who said he said this? People on the train? People on the train who were interviewed by the police. Yeah. And he, he boarded the train at like five. He did. And he left Valeska. And this, this is where it gets crazy. He came back to Valeska two weeks later. And he posed as a detective. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. He posed as a detective and he investigated the crime scene like pretending he was a member of the police. How? People didn't recognize him? People didn't figure it out. How? I don't know. He's like the only Englishman, Belgian man that's been in this town probably ever. (laughs) Because <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's like, a tiny town in what Iowa? Iowa. Shit's not. There's not a lot of shit going down in Iowa, guys. No, it's pretty flat. It's as I just read about it. It is the place that you go to when you close your eyes and point at the center of the map. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's not much here, um, and so he started being investigated by the police because this is extremely odd behavior. Yeah. And apparently when he was younger, as an adolescent, he did suffer a mental breakdown. He did go to a uh, mental hospital. Okay. And uh, he did have a history of mental problems in his background. So started to put some of the pieces together here, you know, ish. I mean, that doesn't mean you're a murderer. That just Mm -hmm. means you're a human being. Well, we can continue with this. Okay. He apparently, when he was, as I mentioned before, he was a priest up in the other communities, right? Traveling right. around. He would send random rambling letters to parishioners that just made no sense. And he had met these people like twice, maybe, oh, you know, Lord. like not long. So again, clearly some mental issues going on here. Yeah. Um, and apparently he was, I don't want to say sanctioned, but he was called out because the letters also included obscene material, quote unquote. I, I couldn't find what material exactly he wrote but it was recorded in the police file that he was writing obscene material to church parishioners big no-no back then big no-no so okay yeah this guy has a call from god yes to go to america yes and preach the words the words in the presbyterian and methodist church he's so is he kind of organizing it himself as to where he's going to go? I believe the church did that. Like, they organized... Did the church know about all these crazy letters and stuff? I I think they found out. 
Don't quote me on that, but they found out during the investigation, I think. That's a lot. Yeah. So, needless to say, because all this shit turned up, the dude got indicted, right? But they didn't indict him for the whole eight murders. They only indicted him for Lena Stellinger, the young girl. What? I don't know why, but the indictment papers said it was only one body that he was indicted for, and it was only for Lena. So they thought he just killed her, or they they thought they could at least prove that he killed her. Correct, yeah. I mean, But th- everybody that, was done in the same manner. Well, it's more of a legal issue thing. Like, if they couldn't definitively prove for some reason that they, he did all of the murders, they were trying to get him on something. Yeah. And yeah. this is also interconnected as to why he was indicted, because there are suspicions around the indictment itself. Um, which we'll talk about in a future suspect. Okay. Yeah. So the indictment goes off. He gets arrested. Um, he was interrogated finally fully in 1917. He sat in jail. Not For five years? Five years. Was he saying, I didn't do this whole time? <laughs> Wait, what? On August 31st, 1917. Serafina. Reverend Kelly confessed to Sheriff Owen that he had committed the murders, all eight. He said, God has whispered to me and told me to suffer the children unto me. Let's go let that sit in there for a moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, there's a lot of silence and staring. Yeah. So, I, I don't, I don't, this dude has mental issues. Yes. That can be traced yes. via these crazy letters, or I shouldn't say crazy, these very strange letters. Strange letters, past history. Past history of going to the hospital, stuff yeah. like that. Yep. He's in jail for five years. Yeah. And let's waiting. And let's like make the difference here. Jails are where you go to await trial. Prisons are when you get sentenced. He was in like the crap Montgomery County jail. For five years. Which should have been well, faster. Yeah, I think like if I had both some mental issues and I was just chilling in this jail for five years, I may be like, yeah, fucking I did it. Right. but That's a lot. It is a lot. But Owen and apparently the authorities bungled this confession. Like they didn't do it for some reason in the right manner. Oh my God. Okay. So it didn't get really saved because it was legally screwed up. And in addition, at trial, Reverend Kelly recanted the, yeah. the confession. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty difficult circumstances. This dude might have been mostly alone for five years. Right. So we also mentioned that there were two trials for this. It was Reverend Kelly both times. And that's because on uh, September 26th of 1917, um, the first trial that he had resulted in a hung jury. So they couldn't indict that well not indict they couldn't sentence him or anything like that so he had, he had to go through another trial why why was the jury hung they just couldn't, couldn't decide couldn't decide they were okay. deadlocked you know okay. six and six so boy oh boy okay yeah they couldn't come or and, and the, i think for murder you was, need the full jury sorry yeah and there were legal issues with the confession and then he recanted anyway yes so it got kind of thrown out okay it really wasn't a main, it was a main focus of the trial, but it wasn't a full focus of the trial. Okay. And then other evidence came up. Like, Did they say, like, why 
they thought it was him specifically outside of the train conversations. Just the train and past history and having having a knowledge of the Moore family. Because he had contact with them that that's, day. That's pretty loose. It's yeah. pretty loose, yeah. So okay. second trial goes through. He actually gets acquitted. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, he left Iowa. There really are no records after what he did after that. And uh, I guess bye, Felicia. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So, and of all the suspects, he is the only person who has ever been indicted for the murders. Okay. It was widely covered. It was in the New York Times. I went back to the Times database. Did you? After last. Damn, get it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So we, we I got a lot of cool information, which I think you're going to put up. Yeah, so, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Cool clippings. That's super cool. Um, So let's move on. The second suspect, the senator of Iowa, William, no, sorry, Frank F. Jones. The senator? One of the two sitting senators of Iowa. Yes. What? I hit the mic, sorry. You hit the mic. You're just bouncing the mic around. I guess around. this is a lot. So, why would a senator be brought into this? Yeah. Why would a senator be brought into this? Because the senator owned a competing hardware store within Valeska. Okay. He also was a former employer of Josiah Moore. And he was also the person who used to hold the John Deere franchise. Okay. When He's a senator now. He's a senator, but he still owns a hardware store. Apparently, there was bat- some bad blood here because when Josiah left and he founded his own hardware store, he was able to sway the John Deere franchise away from him. He, yeah, Josiah was the one that did that. You're like, well, that's and so business. He, business, right? But he held it kind of against Josiah. Um, so even while Jones was a senator, he continued to run the store in Valeska. He's continued to manage it and continued to make money off of it okay. in addition to his senatorial duties. Um, there was also a rumor, and this is unconfirmed, that Josiah Moore had an affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, Donna. And I that could have... can't just see my expression. No. It's just me, like, looking and blinking. Yeah. That's none of my business. That's none, none of my <laughs> business. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So possible there, but that's totally unconfirmed. Yep. Right. Um, was completely never indicted, never arrested. He was questioned at one point, but not fully. Yeah. And some people say that he might have used his powers and political, po- clout. political clout to sort of wiggle himself out of this. Who was there outside of like that vague, like, well, you did a better job getting... Like, customers, instead of me, is there anything that ties him to the murders? Yes. What? Because the next person on the list is the hitman he might have hired. Excuse me, please? Yes. He might have hired William Blackie Mansfield. William Blackie Mansfield. Blackie Mansfield. Damn, that's so, a name. Yeah, so... You know that guy's bad. You so, know he's a, he's a low-level thug. 100%. <laughs> Okay. So he's actually from Blue Island, Illinois. Came all over to Iowa, potentially for committing this murder. Uh, at some point during all of this madness with the investigations, uh, two separate investigations were opened up, and we're going to talk about one of them. All right. Uh, the family was getting a little anxious. Well, the remaining members of the family were getting like really anxious that this wasn't being solved. Yeah. So they brought in the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. Yep. 
Um, they sent out a detective named uh, James Newton Wilkerson. Um, you and, know he's a detective with that name. Oh, yes. Detective Wilkerson coming Wilkerson. in hot. So with his fancy detective hat and fancy suit, he came out and he found Mansfield. And Mansfield was apparently a cocaine fiend. Okay. And a potential serial killer. Uh, Wickerson alleges that Mansfield personally committed multiple other axe murders in the same fashion as Valeska. What? Yes. So there were multiple axe murders within the Midwest at this point in time. And people believe it Where could have been... Where the fuck is the FBI during all this? That's the second investigation that oh was open. Oh my god. It was the FBI. So... I'm coming to papers, all right? Because it's multiple states. Like, they were wondering if well, this was yeah. an interconnected series of murders across but, multiple well, states. Like, how many people have to be murdered by an axe before you're like, maybe this is the same human? <laughs> you know, this is pretty fucked up. I'm sure it's not related. Well, this is, this is the early days before they really did serial killer research, right? So Yeah, and they probably didn't have, like, a good database or something. Didn't, well, what database, yeah. right? They had no, written papers. records. Yeah, papers. and It's if, like files, like right. the card catalog at the uh-huh. library back yeah, in the day. Yeah, the archives, right? Yeah. And if they're not communicating with each other and figuring this out, because a lot of, you know, these districts operate separately at this point in time, rather than being interconnected like we are now, you know, these things could fall through the cracks. Wait. Wait, isn't this Wait. the same time that the like famous Jasmine axe murders were happening roughly down in New Orleans? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me questions I, I don't get, know. I should maybe do that next week because it's real close. Might be. And about the same time. I don't know. We just solved an international mystery. I don't By international, I mean American strictly. <laughs> <laughs> America. Fuck yeah. Um, so Blackie, let's get back to Blackie. Blackie, okay. Um, he is a cocaine fiend. Potential serial killer. Potential axe serial killer. Yes. Yeah, then okay. So the, he alleges that Mansfield committed a murder in Blue Island, Illinois on July 5th, 1914. Uh, murders in Palola, Kansas in, on June 28th, 1912. And the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Colorado, and there was no date attached to that. Um, Wilkerson was able to to convince the Montgomery County Grand Jury to open an an official inquiry and bring Mansfield in. He was arrested in Kansas City and brought back to uh, Montgomery County in preparation for a trial. However, before he could reach court, the investigation found payroll records of Mansfield's presence in Illinois. So he couldn't have done it. Because apparently he was getting paid in Illinois, potentially. He was there. By whom? Do we know? Whatever. Um, he worked on the railroad. Okay. So. Um, but he worked on the railroad. I think this is the railroad guy. Let me double check. I'm not sure if this is the railroad guy. I know there is a railroad guy Okay, here. so alleged, alleged payroll. Yes. All right. Yes. Weird, um, but I'm with you. Yeah, I think this is the, the railroad guy. Uh, so he could have moved quickly between areas, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so because of that, he had an alibi, and uh, District Judge Woodruff um, released Mansfield. And then Mansfield was pissed, and he actually sued 
the Burns Detective Agency in Wilkerson oh, perfectly. Ooh, yeah. He's an uppity coke fiend. Yes, indeed. <laughs> he, uh, so he, he went to trial against Wilkerson for slander, and he won. Wow, really? Guess how much he won from Wilkerson. How much? $2,225. How much is that, though? Like... It's a shitload. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of money for 19... What? When was this? This was... That that part? Potentially around 1916, 1917. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yep. I mean, that was a lot of money running now. It is. But that would be a crap ton of money then. Yes. So, Wilkerson, 100% until his death, actually alleged that Senator Jones used his political clout here and got Mansfield off. Shit. And maybe these records were forged somehow. Um, he Damn. also stated until his death that he believed uh, Senator Jones pressured the authorities into arresting Reverend Kelly because he was an easy target. Oh, wow. That's so that's, that's his belief. Yeah. When did he pass, do you know? Did not, I did not find did out. Look, yeah. I didn't look, yeah. So. Ooh, this is... This is- some deep scandal. Holy shit, okay. There's a lot going on yeah, here. Everyone's yeah. like tied together and like just crazy. It's yeah, crazy this, shit. This is bananas. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about the serial killer, Henry Lee Moore. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So uh, this is where the FBI investigation comes in at. Uh, the FBI sent in uh, Agent M.W. McClory uh, from the, from the, uh, the main office. Uh, and his investigation pointed to more. More. Yes. Uh, and more, by the way, I think I said this, has no relation. Yes. Yeah, no relation. No relation to the family. Correct. Uh, he alleged that Moore was not only responsible for Valeska, Iowa's axe murders, but 22 axe murders in the Midwest. Okay. Let's hang on. So we have... We have the detective saying this guy Mansfield might be related to the senator and might have done other axe murders. Yes. And then we have this dude named Moore, same last name, no relation. Yeah. Who might be an axe man serial killer. Correct. And the How FBI many were alleged fucking that. being murdered with axes in the early 1900s. Well, apparently there were 22 other That's axe murders in the Midwest. 22 many. Yes, I agree. <laughs> That's too many axe. Too murders. many axe murders. I think we're going to have to do the the jazz man of New Orleans. I think next, so. I think so. Next episode. Um, it's just too close. Maybe he's related. Maybe he is. Uh, McClory also said that he was involved in the murders in Blue Island, Paola, and Aurora. Uh, and he also alleged that he murdered a family in Monsmouth, Illinois, and a murder a week later after the Valeska murders in Ellsworth, Kansas. Okay. Um, Moore was put to trial, but not for Valeska. <laughs> okay. Uh, he was put to trial literally months after the Valeska murders were committed, And that was for killing his mother and grandmother with an axe while he was living with them in Columbia, Missouri. Oh, this is the railroad guy. This is the railroad guy. Yeah, he did work for the railroad. Okay, Okay, so he could get around pretty easily. Pretty easily. So yeah, not the last guy, this guy. Um, So yeah, he he was judged guilty during his trial. What? He went to... It was pretty cut and dry. So they know. 
they, he, well, they, they killed, very strongly suspect he killed his mom and his grandma with an axe. Correct. Why? She's a crazy, crazy. Just personal, dude. personal anger. Okay. Yeah. In That's her family a lot of issues. Anger to In her, use an axe. Indeed. All on, right. On people that you were living Did with. He, I don't know if you know this. Yeah. Did he use the blunt end of the axe, or did he? Was he like just whole ham? Like ah. Didn't say. Gross. Okay. Didn't say. Um, he served thirty-six years of a life sentence, uh, and eventually he was commuted by the governor of Missouri. Why? And released. Why? Who knows? Just decided to commute a sentence. How old was he? Um, he was released in nineteen forty-nine. Okay. Pretty okay. much older. Um. And we do know that when he was 82 years old, he was still jumping from place to place. He was living at a Salvation Army Center in St. Louis. That's where he pops up next. Um, but it's unknown when and where he inevitably died at. Yeah, so yeah. he was kind of a vagrant. He was pretty much a vagrant. Uh, the whole reason Moore did not become a stronger suspect was because after McClory announced his findings, nobody did anything. What? They were too focused on the other investigations. They just skipped it. Did they ever... They were focused on Kelly at the time. Holy shit. Okay. Yep. There were actually... Oh, sorry. So this guy definitely went to jail. 100%. Just his grandma and his mom. Did they ever, like, more closely link him to these other murders? No. Not even Velasca, just the other ones? No. They were just like, ah, he's in there anyway, whatever. Yep. That's wildly unsatisfying. Yep. He was, they were like, ah, oh, he's in prison. Cool. All good. Moving on. <laughs> wow. Finally. Finally, finally, finally. This, is, this episode, instead of groaning, is me saying what and going silent because I'm making faces towards you. Lots of faces. This and then being, lot. yeah, right? I told you, this is a trip and a half. <sighs> I, need, I need to take a musical break pretty soon. Do we need a musical break right I now? I do. I need a drink and I got to hug a cat. Well, let me finish this section. Okay. Okay. So there are others who were suspected of the murders and they're all over the place. Uh, George Myers, for example, is one of the people who confessed to the killings, but he said he killed six people. So he got the number wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andrew Sawyer was a transient who worked in town and supposedly showed another worker evidence of how the killer potentially got away from the house. But... We know he didn't do it because his ass got arrested in Osceola, Iowa, the same night as the murders, and he was with the police. So, okay, can't be him. Um, There's a lot of people who would be like, "Yeah, it was me," or they'll send like fake letters to the police. Yeah, that still happens. Yeah, yep. It's, that's I don't know why weird. you would do that. Yeah, maybe not. Look into the psychology of that. It's pretty fucked up. Notoriety, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Jack the Ripper had like. So many people write to the police. True. That's true. Saying it was him. It, it was him and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and finally, we have Sam Moyer, who was Josiah's brother-in-law. Okay. Um, the only reason he was investigated was because apparently he had multiple moments where he threatened to kill Josiah because he was so angry with him over inner family issues. Uh, but he also had an alibi that night. People could account for his whereabouts and uh, couldn't have been him. So. Okay. Um, there you have it. That's the crime. Now, next, after the musical break, we're going to get into the modern day setting. And we're going to talk about the supernatural occurrences. Oh, fuck, I forgot about that, too. That still happened within the Valeska oh Axe Murder house. There's too many 
many fucking axe murders happening? Well, don't worry. We're jumping to modern day, so there's less axe murders happening. We don't even know, though. True. Maybe. Maybe there are. Maybe they're just good at hiding it. I don't think that's true. You need a drink. I need to go. I gotta go. We'll be back right after this musical break. Don't go anywhere. Oh, hi, we're back. Oh, hi. Hope you enjoyed that. Ooh, coughs. Musical interlude. It was pretty great. I loved it. It's the same one we use every week. <laughs> I, it's really, it's, I really like, our, um, our music comes from Ross uh, Budgen. Yes. And he provides excellent work. Copyright, copyright free. free online. Yep. Yep. You should check him out. On his Instagram. Yep. At Ross Burgeon. He's pretty, pretty it's cool. It's in our information every week, yeah. so we can credit him. Yeah, yeah. He's. Yeah. I don't even know if he knows, but we do credit him. He's pretty great. Pretty awesome. So, uh, modern day now. Modern day spoops. House is still standing. Uh, it was purchased at, for our time, and it was used as a normal house. But then uh, it was repurchased. But that um, cheap. And yeah, probably did. Uh, but it, w- it was re- inevitably repurchased and turned into a museum, actually. Do you know, I don't know if this is the case for uh, Iowa. Yeah. But to this day, in many states, particularly southern states, if uh, a house it has a suspected haunting. Yes. Or if there has been something like a murder yes. in it. The realtor has to disclose that information. Yes, they which do. Which I think is really, like, the haunting part. That's fucking awesome. That's pretty cool. I would want to buy that house more, and I'd have so much trouble playing it cool to be like, oh, I see. Well, uh, how about I give you 10000 extra dollars? No, wait. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> haunting discount. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. It also operates as a, not only a, a historical site, there are tours that you can take through the Valeska house. That's cool. Yeah. It has been fully recreated to the way it was the night of the murders. And if you look at the pictures, it's a, like very stereotypical of the early 1900s. Very place. small rooms. Small. Yeah. Very yeah. small rooms, it's actually. Like a huge house. No, no. It's, I mean, it's a big house, but it's not a big house, if that makes sense. Yeah. Many no, rooms. Certainly not for fucking eight people sleeping in there. Yeah, seriously, right? And someone chilling in the kitchen eating food and leaving bacon lying around yeah um so even today you can stay at the valeska house for the cool price of 428 dollars a night okay yeah so if you too want a paranormal experience 428 dollars will get you make bank on that probably do like yeah. not just cover the cost of the house, they probably make a fair amount of money. Oh yeah. So who owns this now? Like the town as a kind of museum? Uh no 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 no. Someone actually bought let's it. see, bought it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should have written down. I think it's a woman. I should have written down her name. Yeah, and no I didn't. Yeah. I ask esoteric questions. In, indeed, it's fine. It's fine. Uh officially, uh paranormal investigators did come in in nineteen ninety nine, uh, for the first time, and it was declared haunted. Officially, by okay. a crew that came in from Kansas, I believe. Cool, cool. So, hundred per- oh, by a crew from Nebraska. Sorry, Nebraska. Nebraska okay, that's cool. Folks came in and checked it out, and they said, they're "Oh, like, this place is haunted." It's, it's stamp. 
It's a, it's one hundred percent right. <laughs> Sorry. So not only is the house still there, but the axe is still present as well, potentially. Oh, right, that's gross. Yeah. So Sheriff Orin, back in the day, um, he kept the axe and keychain in evidence, obviously, um, and supposedly the same ones were kept throughout the years. So here's the chain. Was kept by the police, but um, it was given away because the sheriff at the time, Sheriff Arthur Baker, um, basically didn't need it anymore. The axe was supposed to be only legally kept for two years after the murder or until they were recently sure, decently sure, sorry, that the murders wouldn't be solved, which they reached that point. Um, so he released it. Yeah, they kind of did. They were like, I guess I won't keep this prime material evidence because, eh, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. I don't want to do my job. Yep. Um, then at this point, it was apparently released to Arthur Baker, um, and it actually showed up in a photograph of the Des Moines Sunday Register on January 28th, 1945. So you can go back into the Des Moines Register and actually look it up, and the picture of the axe is there Gross. with Arthur Baker. Um, yeah, nasty. Then it apparently moved hands multiple times quietly, and no one's quite sure whose hands it was in. So this is why this gets complicated. Yeah. This might not be the original axe. It's not really a way to trace it. Nope, nope. Uh, but supposedly it eventually came into the control of Mr. Uh, let's see, Edgar V. Epperly. Uh, who then donated it to the Valeska Historical Society, where it now remains with them under his ownership. So that's okay. that's the current state of the axe. Okay. The keychain is with it as well. Yes. Um, and they are on display with photos around them and stuff like that. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So both the house and the axe are still there. Um, recently, within uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the team from Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. Yeah. Yep. Zach Baggins and crew yeah. um, did go and investigate the house. They did actually receive uh, temporary ownership of the axe from the historical society, Super and they gross. did use it in their investigation. Yeah, we had mentioned that. I mentioned before. that the, uh, that um, basically Zach had laid up in the attic with the axe standing upright on its hilt, and then said for the ghost to, if he was such a badass, basically bring the axe down on his neck. And it didn't happen, obviously. I sure don't like that. I nope. sure don't like that at all. Don't like that fact. I really don't like that. Yeah. But you can go watch it if you want. It's it's on Travel Channel. Yeah, we don't mm. recommend that show. But, no. you know, it's up to you. It's up if to you. you. want to watch trash TV. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, so that's the history of Ye old Axe. Now... Um, multiple paranormal investigators have since come in right. and they have received very odd activity within the house. Yeah, uh, yeah. Falling lamps, flying objects like pictures off the walls, uh, mysterious voices, EVPs, you, you name it. Um, most of the evidence that they are collecting does not point to the ghosts of the family remaining on the property. There are some reports of children laughing and playing on EVPs, but not a lot. Might be like a residual, like a residual echo. Kind of thing. And just to clarify what that is, a residual echo is basically when people do something enough. Uh, this is the theory, at least, 
that you leave sort of like an imprint in the yeah. world yeah. and it just basically plays like a v like a oh wow vcr i just dated <laughs> myself there yourself. plays like a dvd on repeat yeah there we yeah. go that's more modern um so yeah it just it doesn't have any intelligence yeah it can't really affect anything it's just you just can keep catching it if you get I there at the right time the I, hope I hope at the rest, i hope that they're at their rest too you know, but who isn't at their rest, apparently, is whoever committed these murders. Good. Fuck that guy. That I guy. hope he stays there and it's miserable for him. Yeah. <coughs> you tell him, Bibbs. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. You tell him. Um, so, yeah. He's probably enjoying the attention, though. That's what they think. Gross. Um, numerous psychics have pointed to the worst part of the house being the attic. And this is where I mentioned before the attic was a place of interest in modern day attempts to piece together the murder. Um, we did say before that we know the killer potentially did not hide in the closets because there were no evidence of food or tobacco about. Right. Um, right. But it is possible that the back, that one of the doors was unlocked during the church service and the killer went up in the attic and simply waited. That's that he gross. knew where the axe was in the barn, like figured that part out and then just sat there. And wait till the family came home and fell asleep and then slipped down from the attic. That's which really, is really sick. their attic stairs, they have stairs. They don't have like a ladder. So it was just a door up to the attic, unfinished, still is. Yeah, um, yeah it's super sick. Super disgusting to think about. I'm just gonna sit here and wait until I murder people. Yeah. Then I'm gonna eat the sandwich and leave my bloody hand mess in the kitchen. Yep. So modern day supernatural investigators keep picking up what they call bad energy, bad feelings. Um, nasty EVPs, uh, especially when you provoke. Uh, provoking is a technique sometimes used by investigators, but Which it's is shitty. yes, it's not recommended by most investigators. Uh, but basically, it's if you have a bad spirit or if you have a ghost, you just sit there and taunt them and tell them to fuck off. <laughs> um, I actually will jump down on my page here, just uh, to. One of the other things. So on the show, um, Kindred Spirits, uh, starring, great show. Recommend. Very good. If you like spoops. Uh, Amy Bruni and Adam Barry did cover the Valeska axe murders. Um, the reason they did this is because there was another amateur investigator who went in and believed that he received some sort of attachment from the house. Um, it was sort of like a bad energy that sort of followed him around and caused bad things in his life. He he believed it was the house and the killer's spirit. And that's because he received a very clear EVP, which they played back on the show. And it basically just said, just kill John Worley. Yeah, it's really gross. It was super gross yeah. and creepy. Um, it's really interesting EVP. Yeah. If you watch the show. Yeah. Um, very, very clear, actually, compared to most EVPs. Um Amy actually, during the show, went upstairs in the attic to provoke the killer. Uh, as they theorized, he manifests his memory when he is slandered. Um, she told him that his little tricks were going to stop and that she was on to him in an attempt to get a response. The EVP she received back shortly after that recording was a very clear, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it actually just said, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she was like, well, that guy's angry. Yeah. Good, you know, let him let yeah, him rot. Gross. Yeah. Um, during that same investigation that kindred spirits have, um, 
we're going to talk about something that made national news at the time. Uh, Vice covered this, and apparently a, another amateur investigator went into the house named Robert Buck Larson, and he was 37 at the time that this incident occurred. Yeah. Um, he is easily, of everyone who's visited Valeska, the worst possible case. In fact, of all the paranormal shit that I have read and seen and heard, I still believe he is the worst case I've ever seen of like a manifestation and a potential possession, yeah. basically, um, a brief possession. He was obsessed with the Valeska murders. He made a diorama of the house, trying to figure out how the killings were done. Um, he even like, got little dolls and put the bodies in the right positions where they were found in the crime scene. In the diorama? In the diorama. Okay. He tried to get the splatter correct from the, the blood based on the notes that even I read at this point. Um, 100% into it. So as a gift, his mother and stepfather rented him the house as a birthday present. And they went in to spend the night. So a couple of friends, the family, um, and that was it. The original media reports didn't cover much. Um, but Amy and Adam actually got him to do an interview because he was not doing interviews for a pretty long time. Uh, and during that, here is his account. That night, when all of this went down, he was in the Moore kids' room. He was considering asking for possession of the axe from the Historical Society, but he didn't do so. Um, so he ended up trying to communicate with a different weapon, his personal hunting knife. Okay. Thinking, you know, bladed weapon, and he held it close to his chest, and he began attempting to speak to the spirits while recording EVPs. Um, oh. He got no response. He began provoking the spirit of the killer because he was trying to get something out of them. And Amy and Adam were, at this point, pretty sure that provocation results in action from the house. Um, he was yelling things like, uh, the man who killed six children is sick. Fuck you, hope you're burning in hell, things like that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Obvious. Oh, yeah. We all hope he is. And we're not sitting in the house, so we can say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, his mother, at that point, radios him and tells him that another room in the house is now filled with orbs of light that she can visibly see with the naked eye, no camera, none of that. Can I just... I, I don't mean to interrupt. No. But I just want to interject, like, I really love this family, because, like... Most people would be like, you shouldn't research this. This is sick, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he's like, mom and stepdad are like, hey, man, love what you love. This is cool. We'll like, we'll rent it out for you and we'll go on this adventure with you. That's a really cool family. That's a really cool like, family. That's really, like, what supportive parents? Yeah. Way to like, way be, to be. be a good mom and uh, stepdad. Yeah, way to be. Yeah. You know, take your. It didn't result in good things. Sadly. But it was still very cool of them, in my opinion. Neat birthday yeah. presents. Too bad it ended this yeah. way. Um, so she saw orbs of light. He stood up at that point and he said he could see light coming out of the kid's closet and he opened it and there was this huge ball of light that overwhelmed him and he lost consciousness at that point. Uh, when he woke up, he was tied down to the bed and on a ventilator due to a collapsed lung. Supposedly, his mother and stepfather also recorded an EVP at the time of this incident. It said, don't worry about Buck, we'll get him. 
and then he stabbed himself in the chest with the hunting knife. Or, as he, he tells possessed. it, either he was possessed and, and did it because he doesn't remember, or a force took the knife and jabbed it into him. Jeez. There is some evidence towards that because the angle of the knife was not at a normal angle for someone just go, like, you know, take the knife and then stick it right into their chest. Also, it didn't, it didn't match. It should have been upwards and it was more pointed downwards. Like, there's, like, there's so yeah. much... That's really hard to do. It's yes. really hard to stab yourself in the chest and not have your body be like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. It's not an easy process. No. Lots of stuff there. Yeah. So you really got to work at it and every instinct is your body, in your body is going to be like, don't do this thing. Yeah. And it you collapsed know? along, you yeah, know, like it went past ribs. That's no, and, joke. no joke. That's a deep, deep, you know, stab. That's scary. Yeah. Um, and during that same investigation with Amy and Adam, they played the EVP that said, just kill John Worley. And Buck said that it was the same voice that's, that basically was on his mother and stepfather's EVP. Oh. Yes. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, unfortunately, that EVP was destroyed because his mother and stepfather did not want anything to remember about that night. Yeah, no, that's For obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ugh. and he no longer investigates at all. I would hope not. He's, yeah. he's not in good health. He's not in good health, unfortunately. He did he did have a stroke a couple of years after yeah. this happened. Um, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not doing job. so well, but we think about him and, and send him best wishes yeah. should he ever he hear the show. PTSD on top of everything, everything else. else. Why wouldn't you after that? It's really scary. Very scary. Yeah. Um, so a few other paranormal events were captured during Kindred Spirits, which I think is the most interesting investigation of the set. Uh, the show's resident psychic, he comes on a lot of the time. He is our favorite elder gay. He is the greatest man. Chip Coffee. Chip Coffee. Chip Coffee. Always just the show just so you point. can like, watch Chip. He's, he's the elder gay we all want to be. Oh, absolutely. Love I love him. Absolutely. Sassy, sassy man. Sassy man. Love him. Um, so Chip felt the energy that had a high psychosexual pleasure to it Gross. that the guy was getting off during these murders because yeah. he loved it and that's why he stayed in the house and that's why he ate the food it's because he was like still there probably why he's still there yeah um if you believe in that thing which, yeah you know i kind of do yeah and i do as well obviously we're, we're witches yeah, so we, we, we believe in ghosts. we believe in ghosts and spirits and things like that um but yeah he got off on it um and there were, there is obviously evidence that points to that with Lena's dress and everything. Yeah. Um, he also mentioned that the killer's energy was the strongest in the attic of all things. Yeah. Again, pointing to potentially him hiding out there. And he was getting phrases in his head like, I'll wait as long as it takes. And also panting Ugh. from the attic. Um, Chip theorizes that the reason the spirit stays in the house is because it is the most notorious killings of the set that he may have performed. So, assuming that this was this serial axe murder, Valeska is the one that's remembered. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, I, I only know a little bit about true crime, but there tends to be, for a killer's first murders, hesitation. Yes. And, um, you know, marks or they tend to mess up more. Like, yeah, there wasn't hesitation here. This person knew exactly what they were doing, exactly how to kill, and then went back and mutilated. Yep. This is someone who's probably practiced 
in doing this kind of thing. Yep. That's super gross. Super nasty. Hope that guy's burning in the house or whatever. Um, Chip also basically said that he gets off on hearing about the murder repeated ad nauseum by everyone in attendance, the paranormal investigators, the tours, the fact the axe is kept. There's a lot of the same energy in the town. Therefore, it's potentially feeding into the spirit and kind of on repeat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he also attacks people in the, who go into the house who are weak and easily... Ooh, I just now also smacked the mic. We're all smacking the mic today. Um, people who go into the house who are weak and easily manipulated, perhaps causing them to do things or feel things while they are in attendance within the house. Um, it doesn't really attach to a person outside of that. So for John's case... No, it didn't follow him home. It stays in the house. Uh, it just fucks with people who are present in the home. Um, and they believe that the spirit in specific is responsible for the physical activity. Yeah. Um, there are other, like I said, reports of like a ball moving in the house, but not much. Uh, and then finally, I guess I just want to say Valeska in its modern state has, is still being researched and still being investigated, uh, both paranormally and true crime wise. Uh, it's still unsolved, but if you want to learn more and you want to hear about it more, you can visit a lot of places. Uh, Ghost Adventures and Kindred Spirits both covered Valeska. Don't yeah. recommend the former. Definitely recommend the latter. They are available on Travel Channel and Travel Channel Go. Um, but also Lore. Uh, Ooh, yeah. The Lore, Lore podcast. Covered Lore covered it. Ooh, Lore's great. Uh, the Scariest Places on Earth covered it. Cool, cool. Uh, most Terrifying Places in America and this is why we drink the podcast. Oh, also awesome. Uh, and last podcast on the left. Oh, cool, cool. So we are in good company on this one. Yeah. And that's, there you have it. The Valeska axe murders and the paranormal activity that plagues the house to this day. The murder remains unsolved. Ugh. Heavy two-part episode here. That's a lot. I love that we said we weren't really going to do true crime and then immediately slipped. Into true crime? Just die out love, pass, pass. a slippery slope, and it, now we're just like, It Whoa. was. Well, to me, Valeska is a, a combination of both. Yes. Yeah, because definitely. it is definitely a murder, but it's left such an imprint on the house and Valeska as a town that it is a modern-day study in paranormal activity. So, so spooky. Are, this immediately brings to mind three other cases. Yeah. It makes me think of Hinterkaifeck, um, which was and is an unsolved murder uh, over in Germany from about the same time. Gotcha. Uh, the Jasmine X murders. Yes. Which is pretty hilarious in part. It's gross. What? But also hilarious. What? And uh, A.J. Holmes, who I looked up because... You know, this reminded me of H.H. Holmes, America's first quote-unquote serial killer. Serial killer, yeah. And he was operating about 20 years before this. So right at the very end of the Victorian period. I see. Yeah. So Interesting. 1896. Creepy. That area. Creepy. But, um, yeah, I mentioned a couple of these in passing. Yep. And people got really, really pumped about them. Nice. So I think we'll probably hit um, one of the first two for next week's that sounds good. I'm I excited. I might do Jasmine because, yes, it doesn't involve Jasmine. murder. There yeah. are a lot of survivors. Oh, interesting. And uh, it has a lot of crazy letters to the police that get real weird and real interesting. So we'll do that. I sound, that sounds good. But maybe this was, you, this was a lot. 
but maybe you want to hear more. Maybe you want to continue listening to even more great episodes. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, and of course our home here at Buzzsprout. 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 Buzzsprout.deadmydearest.buzzsprout.com oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey. Oh, hey. If people wanted to get in contact with us or check out more cool shit that we post, where could they go? Oh, man. You could go to pretty much any social media platform. Like what? You could go to Facebook.com slash deadmydearest. And find stuff there. That is the place. Um, I post a lot of extra information there. So, <clears throat> as mentioned, if there's a cool TED Talk about the subject... If there's direct links to perhaps episodes I can find, I'll post that up on the Facebook page. Like the video video and audio content. Yep. yep. Um, if I can find some of the EVPs, oh, we'll slam them up there. Sounds good. Yeah. I love it. That was very Boston of me. Yeah. Slam them up there. All right, kid. All right, kid. Where else can they go? You can check us out at Instagram. Dot com slash deadmydearest. Yep. We put uh, pictures relating to all of our podcasts up there, including some um, not safe for work ones, but we do preface those with little content warning picture indeed usually dead bodies yeah and finally where else you can if you want to talk to us for any reason yeah you can send us i keep i wanting to say a letter because my brain's just like that email it's an email email clap clap, clap. email, email. Clap, clap. at dead my dearest at gmail.com wait 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 we forgot about a little tweety bird Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. You can also go to twitter.com slash deadmydearest or at deadmydearest if you're already on Twitter and find us there too. Yeah, you can send us a message. Yeah. Uh, check out links to our podcasts, whatever you want to do. Sometimes Guys, I just post tasty memes, spooky tasty memes. I love tasty memes. You know, did you us in real life. Did you know that everything is cake right now? It is cake. It really what is. What if that axe isn't the axe from the murders? It's cake. It's cake. I knew it. I knew it. Everything is cake. Well, everyone, thank you for so much for joining for my episode for once. Yeah, it was really, it was very fun to be on this side of the it, mic. It's crazy. Yeah. And I can't wait to be on the other side of the mic next week. Yeah. But until then, stay a spooky, darlings. Bye-bye. It must have been the axe to the head. I should have walked away. Should have walked away. <laughs> that was terrible. This is what I come back to. I just, that's too many. I had to sing it out. It was too many axe murders, man. It's too much. <laughs>